Welcome to this weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> well, August 21st, 2020, along with my co-host, co-founder, and creator of Second City Sports Radio Show and Podcast, Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter at SidKid80. That's Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kena McGee on Twitter, at Kena underscore McGee on the Instagram. And our top story for this segment is the Cubs and the White Sox will get it off around one for 2020 from Wrigley Field taking place this weekend to help us preview this series covering the White Sox for the South Side. Hit pin part of the SI now. That's Sports Illustrated. Network is Ms. Janice Correo. Janice, where can they find you on social media? Uh, yeah, uh, my Instagram uh, is uh, Scuriosa, spelled S-C-U-R-I-O-S-A. My uh, Twitter handle is the same thing, uh, but with one more I, so S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just pronounced Scuriosa. That, that, that's no, nothing too special. But, no, no, uh, say yeah. simple. Yeah, keep it simple and to the point. <laughs> All right, uh, Sid had to, Sid, I think, I think he's, he's having connection problems, so he had to go away for a second. But I'll, I'll start with your first, my first question, Janice. Um, White Sox have won six in a row, so do you think they can keep it up? I mean, they've had, you know, their offense has been clicking. Uh, Lucas Giolito had a, a good outing yesterday against Detroit. They actually swept Detroit. So what do you think, can the White Sox keep this up? I think so. I think so, um, especially because they're facing John Lester today. Uh, and from some stats I've seen, uh, the White Sox mash lefties. So I don't think they're going to have a problem against him tonight. Um, I believe their record against left-handed pitching is now uh, five and nothing, uh, just off the top of my head. But uh, specifically, uh, the team slash line uh, against left-handed pitching is 286, 364, 566 with a 280 ISO, which is uh, kind of ridiculous. Uh, so I believe uh, we should see uh, some of that offensive production tonight. I know Lester has been pretty good so far this year, but uh, who knows? I, I'm, I'm, I have a good feeling about this one. And keeping thing with that starting pitching, Lucas Giolito had a great performance on Thursday, striking out 13 Detroit Tigers on his, on his way to a personal 2-2 two and two record and the White Sox sweeping the Tigers up. What are your impressions for the uh, All-Star from a year ago? Uh, I believe he's definitely locked it up. Uh, he looked a little shaky uh, in his prior starts. Uh, I believe he was quoted in a post-game interview uh, in his last start saying that uh, giving up four runs in the first inning uh, was definitely unacceptable. Uh, so it, it was great that he acknowledged it. Uh, I could definitely tell from his start yesterday how incredibly locked in he was too. Uh, I also believe that James McCann had a very integral role in uh, propelling Giolito uh, to, to yesterday's victory. Uh, you could definitely tell that uh, his pitches were called very carefully. Giolito was in very deep concentration just watching him on the mound. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely noticing that sequencing is helping a lot with Giolito especially. I know that his changeup is his uh, signature out pitch. Uh, yeah, from here on out, uh, Giolito just basically needs to keep it up. And I also hope that James McCann remains his catcher for the rest of the season. 
Absolutely. So what about Dylan Cease? I mean, he had a shaky start earlier in this, this sort of sprint. He's actually gotten a little bit better. So what do you think? What do you think is going to be the key for Cease to uh, keep up with his consistency? Uh, I think uh, one of Cease's earlier uh, concerns was definitely command uh, in his last start. Uh, we saw a little bit of shakiness there. Uh, on paper, his record is actually pretty good, but uh, I believe that his, uh, his FIP is significantly higher than his ERA. So uh, given that, uh, yeah, he still is giving up a lot of hits, um, he definitely will fall behind in the count quite a bit, uh, but he seems to work himself out of jams is what I see uh, just from recalling those stats off the top of my head. So uh, I, I definitely believe that uh, Cease has some great potential. Um, just as long as he keeps winning games for us, that's all I'm concerned about. Lakina, my partner, brought up this person's name before for the last couple of years. His name is uh, Dane Dunney. Of course, he had his uh, um, troubles with uh, Tommy John surgery from a couple of years ago. He made his debut on Wednesday, uh, striking out seven. What were your first impressions of his performance? Uh, I was incredibly um, impressed with Dunning. Uh, I listened to a lot of national baseball podcasts, and uh, a lot of them were kind of dismissive of Dunning and kind of uh, focused the attention more so on Casey Mize. Not to say uh, that Mize wasn't impressive, he definitely was, uh, but some things I noticed about Dunning, uh, he definitely learned a lot of swinging strikes. Uh, his breaking stuff was absolutely filthy. Uh, I was looking at a couple of his uh, pitching charts uh, during the game, and he just had Tigers pitching swinging at stuff way out of the zone, which is just absolutely nuts. Um, so he's been uh, optioned back to Schaumburg. I have a feeling that we'll probably see him again very soon. But uh, overall, um, beyond that uh, mistake he made, uh, I believe he gave up a, a two or three run home run to I can't remember whom, but that's unimportant. Uh, otherwise, I was just highly impressed with, with him. And I believe that he will be back in the rotation very soon. Well, how big of a pickup was Dallas Keiko for the White Sox? I mean, that was sort of like a very underrated signing. You know, not only does they, they shore up that pitching staff, but also leadership. You know, he has a lot of postseason experience, too. And, of course, we all know that that speech he gave right before the Detroit series last week, you know, that kind of inspired that turnaround. How big of a pickup Keiko has been for the White Sox? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I was already really excited uh, to pick up Keiko. Uh, as soon as uh, Jeff Passan or whomever uh, announced that uh, the White Sox had got him, I, I couldn't believe my ears. Uh, just like, oh my God, we have this uh, seasoned veteran uh, who has postseason experience and has like gone or, or um, has has definitely done so much in the postseason before. Uh, not to mention a Scott Boris client, uh, and the White Sox have him. I couldn't believe my ears, but I believe the value that he brings to the table uh, is for sure uh, apparent in how he's pitched this season. Uh, just kind of glancing at Baseball Reference a few uh, moments ago, uh, he has the highest WAR of any pitcher, uh, which I think is uh, incredibly fantastic. I believe his sinker ball is probably. Um, just the best I've seen uh, probably since, I mean, his Cy Young award-winning season. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was really, really pleased uh, that we got Keuchel. Uh, and yeah, not to mention the leadership uh, that you mentioned, Makina, but 
um, that kind of uh, fueled the spark, I believe, that kind of uh, pushed uh, the Sox to uh, all these victories now. So. Who needs Zach Wheeler? We got Keitel anyway, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, I, I tend to forget about that. I, I, I tend to forget Zach Wheeler. <laughs> Quite a bit, uh, but if, except the times where he just creeps onto my news feed and like, oh yeah, he exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Janice Scurrio of Southside Hip Empire, the Sports Illustrated uh, crew, is joining us right now on Second City Sports, discussing the White Sox along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Janice, let's go to the hitters now. Tim Anderson, last year's AL batting champion. After his comeback from injury in last week's series at Detroit, his last seven games, four home runs and seven RBI. Uh, what are your impressions for Mr. Anderson for 2020? Do you think he could be a better player than he was a year ago? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I wrote about this in one of my articles not too long ago, and I said that I will never get tired of talking about Tim Anderson. And it's true. I will never get tired of talking about Tim Anderson, just mainly because – uh, he's he's so nonstop. He just brings uh, all this exuberant joy and uh, genuine love for baseball uh, and his teammates too uh, every day. And he's definitely made that apparent. Uh, just kind of sitting in the press box, I can always see him uh, cheering his his teammates on and just being just a, a really positive influence. Uh, so I love that part of him. Uh, I also believe that uh, he is like just so significantly improved and so many people like kind of pegged him for regress regression this season. And that's definitely not the case. He's like way better of a hitter than he was last year. Uh, I was even kind of poking around with fan graphs last night and I have evidence that he might actually even be a better defender this year than he was last year. I know a lot of people kind of harp on Timmy for his defense, uh, which I don't think is necessarily fair, just mainly because he also attempts to make really impossible, difficult plays. Uh, so uh, other than that, uh, I really love uh, that he is a history maker as well. Uh, just seeing all the leadoff home runs that he hit just in this past week uh, definitely shows that uh, he is a very much so a valuable part of this team uh, in establishing leads very early, uh, just for a moment, because uh, for a little while, the offense had um, some, some trouble uh, even uh, getting on base in the first inning, too. Uh, so it's really nice to see that. Uh, other than that, uh, I can't speak well enough about Tim Anderson. I think he's absolutely wonderful. Um, I always say that if Tim Anderson isn't your favorite player right now, what the heck is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I enjoy Tim Anderson so very much. Well, it's hard not to. I mean, he's got the charisma. He's got, you know, he kind of lets his talent, you know, do the talking for him, but isn't afraid to kind of speak up on social issues as well. It's unfortunate that, Major League Baseball doesn't have like personalities that they can, you know, promote. I mean, yes, the ratings are up, but I think it's more because of the season and the way it's set up. But do you, do you think that Tim should be a bigger star in the MLB? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've gone on many podcasts before in the past, and uh, I've said on record that MLB does a really crap job of marketing its players. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, Tim Anderson, uh, and unfortunately, is no different. And I think especially during the time off, uh, during the pandemic, a lot of players kind of took to marketing themselves, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, so exam for, for example, I just recently became a huge fan of uh, the Cardinals pitcher, Jack Flaherty, just mainly because he was very vocal about social issues, uh, especially after George Floyd's murder. Uh, he spoke up a lot about uh, bringing attention uh, to uh, the current situation of uh, police brutality towards the black community, which I thought was really fantastic. Uh, but yeah, it, I did not find out about him through MLB, even though I know he was a really fantastic pitcher last year. Uh, I believe he had like a 91 ERA in the second half, and he has a really fantastic slider. But I learned all of that stuff after I discovered his Instagram. Like that shouldn't have been the case. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Lucas Giolito too. I believe he does a lot of uh, social uh, justice advocacy too on his social media as well. Uh, but again, uh, I, I heard it directly from him, uh, not through MLB. Uh, so uh, whether we see kind of MLB uh, kind of pick up the reins in when it comes to uh, marketing their players better, uh, who knows? But until then, it looks like a lot of them are just doing it themselves through social media. Let's focus in on another uh, personality on the white side. So his name is Elon Jimenez. I'll call him AKA Musty TV on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> he has three home runs and six RBIs in his last seven games. Of course, he hit that big home run in last year's game at Wrigley Field. But uh, you know, as well as I do, Janice, that his problem has been uh, his fielding in left field uh, is more is not, less than desirable to watch. So uh, I want to ask you, and not about his hitting, but, but his field. Thing. And I said this on the show before. Uh, if it was up to me, he, he would never play left field again. He he should be a permanent DH. But realistically, how soon will Eloy Jimenez be the permanent DH for this White Sox team? Will it be next year, two years down the road? What is your take on it? Oh my goodness! Uh, I, I know it's like kind of a running <laughs> joke. That, I, I know it's kind of a running joke that uh, in. In some cases, uh, White Sox defense can be so bad to the point where uh, they just have a lineup full of DHs. I hope it does not come to that. Uh, I, as much as anyone else, uh, really hope that Eloy just uh, improves his defense. <laughs> but, uh, oh man. Uh, just kind of thinking about um, a lot of the things he's done in the past couple of days to kind of redeem himself. Uh, he had that gaffe in the net where he just kind of uh, got caught in it, allowing a Christian Yelich inside the park home run. Uh, that was <laughs> that was that was simultaneously mega embarrassing, uh, but also it was kind of funny too. You just kind of have to laugh at it. Um, Eloy himself is a funny guy, uh, but. When it comes to uh, giving up runs at the team's expense, uh, that's not so funny. Uh, so uh, honestly, uh, I just hope he can improve. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he is working on that. Uh, but otherwise, he's had a really solid past couple of games. So uh, he's, he's forgiven for now. Well, I freak out every time he dives into the stands. I'm, I'm not like I'm not amused by that. Uh, I, 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 I freak out every time I see him there. People or no people in this case, so it's crazy. Um, we're about halfway through this sort of you know mini season there, Janice. And do you think this this sort of you know sprint to the finish, if you will, sort of favors the White Sox? Uh, yeah, I believe it does. Uh, 
I can't remember where I saw it, but it said something that the White Sox have a, what, I think a 91 or 92% chance of making the postseason, uh, which to me, someone who's been following the team during sub 500 seasons, uh, that's just mind blowing to me. And I know um, the postseason format itself is just kind of a complete blur and that the door is kind of wide open uh, to begin with. But I believe that's still something. Um, I also believe that a lot of the streaking uh, this team has done, not literal streaking, mind you. Uh, streaking. <laughs> <laughs> I see a couple of them doing that though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that uh, I, I definitely see uh, that uh, this team uh, definitely gets hot uh, by momentum. So um so who knows, uh, maybe tonight uh, this will be their sixth victory. No, I, I think it will be their sixth victory. Let, 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 let's make it so. Let's, let's manifest it into reality. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I believe just, I think there's like 37, 38 games left. And uh, at this point, uh, I think it's anyone's division. Um, I believe Cleveland's only ahead by a game and a half or something like that. Uh, so yeah, uh, anything can happen, um, especially with the team that's hot right now. Janice Scurrio of Southside Pippen, part of Sports Illustrated SI Now crew, join us here on Sega City Sports Zoom style. Janice, let's go to uh, uh, the center field portion of the White Sox defense, and that's uh, Mr. Luis Robert. If he's not your AL front runner for Rookie of the Year, I don't know. Uh, who is, but he has five home runs and 15 RBI so far this year. Uh, struggling a little bit here and there, but that's too, what you expect from a rookie. But uh, on the, uh, in the outfield, he's also he covers just about every part of the <laughs> outfield. Uh, talk to us about uh, your your take on uh, Mr. Robert so far for 2020. Uh, first of all, uh, it, it's just kind of hilarious to kind of see him stealing catches from Eloy, uh, especially the other night where uh, he just ran over to left field uh, to, to steal a ball from Eloy. And just the look on Eloy's face, it, it, it's just like impeccable comedy. I, I, I feel as if they're, they're, they're definitely going to be a great a, a comedic duo uh, for the White Sox in the future. Um, to kind of see him do a lot of... Uh, kind of questionable things like the way he dove for that ball uh, the other night uh, he ended up injuring his wrist um I guess that could kind of be expected from a rookie um but other than that uh, he's definitely demonstrated that he's just a really fantastic player all around he can hit the ball um he is just ridiculously fast he has this elite sprint speed I believe I looked at his baseball savant page a few times and everything was like in the red and um, most specifically um, the, the sprint speed section and that uh, he's like first in his position, first in his age range, first in everything. So I, I think that's just fantastic that we have someone with this elite speed finally. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, he can steal bases. Uh, he, uh, yeah, just like just makes really fantastic play, stealing balls from Leore, stealing balls from Eloy. Um, it's just kind of uh, refreshing to see that we have a player of this caliber. And yeah, if he doesn't win Rookie of the Year, then then I don't know. I, 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 I just don't know. Yeah, it, it would be criminal if he doesn't at least get some consideration for Rookie of the Year. He's been fantastic. Um, I want to talk about Ricky Renteria for a second there, Janice. And do you think he's the answer as manager long-term? 
Uh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, I always try to avoid uh, the Renteria discourse as much as I can, just mainly because I feel as if a lot of people kind of rip on him a little too much. Um, probably the most qualms I might have with him is due to his bullpen management, uh, but I think uh, most fans will tend to kind of get on, on, on managers uh, for bullpen management in general. Uh, whether he's the manager long-term or not, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that for you. All I know is that uh, he has a good rapport with his, uh, with his players. Uh, he seems to be well-respected in the clubhouse. Um, I think this year, for the most part, uh, he's been pretty effective. Uh, but as for the long-term part, who knows? Uh, getting back to the players on the field, Janice, I want to focus in on Jose Abreu. Uh, uh, many people weren't sure if he was going to be resigned with the club. Of course, the uh, White Sox manager brought him back. Me, personally, I was happy that he was brought back. Uh, I can't believe that he's only in his mid-30s already. He's been in the league for six or seven years, but it, it seems like to me that he just, he just keeps getting better with time. Uh, do you think that he's going to stay on this pace for the rest of the year, or do you think he's going to haul off at some point? Uh, yeah, that was a really uh, great uh, point of discussion over the offseason uh, that a lot of people uh, were not very happy with the extension. Um, I was indifferent towards it, uh, just mainly because he's a lifelong White Sox, and I honestly can't see him in any other uniform, to be honest. Uh, but more of the reasoning behind that is because he's been just, just earmarked for regression. And so... Um, as a result, everyone was saying, why would we give um, an extended contract to a regressing player? Uh, but this year, uh, I, I don't think uh, any of that regression um, stuff has actually come to light. Uh, I believe his defense in particular is improved. Uh, just looking at some stats yesterday, I believe his, uh, his defensive run save stat is at like three. Uh, compared to last year where it was at like negative eight. So just looking at that stat alone, and I know uh, this season has been a relatively small sample size, uh, just looking at that stat alone, uh, he's having the best defensive year of his career, uh, which I think is really fantastic. Um, but yeah, he's also bringing the bat. He had a really fantastic uh, game uh, yesterday as well. Um, yeah, uh, I, I hope he stays hot. I hope he proves the haters wrong. Uh, I, I guess, including myself, I, I have to admit that I was <laughs> one of, I was one of the people, I, I will put that out there, that definitely thought he was going to regress. But I can tell you right now, I've never been more happy to be wrong. <laughs> Wait, exactly. I think, me, me too. Me too, Janice. Me too. Um, can you talk about Adam Engel for a second? I mean, he's been sort of like the unsung heroes for this White Sox team. It, 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 he's sort of like one of those guys that doesn't get as much attention as he should so what do you think about Angle and some of the big hits he's made? Uh, yeah, I don't think we've seen enough of him, uh, to be honest. I know he's been getting uh, some uh, at-bats uh, and some, uh, some starts uh, due to a lot of the injuries that, have, uh, that has plagued the team. Uh, he's definitely come up huge in many situations, uh, but with all of these other like superstars just kind of hogging the spotlight, uh, it's kind of easy for Angle to fall on the back burner. Um, yeah, I would like to see him play more um, in certain situations, especially uh, when the situation allows. Uh, yeah, I would like to see more of him, um, especially in the, uh, in the next upcoming games if, if, if needed. 
Before we get your prediction on the series, Janice, I want to ask you about Johan McCann. He has five home runs and I believe 15 RBIs so far this season. He's only batting 266, but I'm really impressed by his defense. And he really showed the showed himself last year um, during his first year at the high corner. He did very well. It seems like he carried over to this year. Do you see him participating, even though there's no all-star game this year? Do you see him as a future all-star down the road? Okay. Oh my goodness, yes. I also see him as a future MVP as well. Um, just uh, from what I've seen from him in the past couple of games, uh, yeah, um, just offensively, uh, the fact that he was part of that four home run barrage the other day, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, and as for his defense, uh, yeah, I have a feeling it has also improved too, uh, kind of similar to uh, what I uh, talked about uh, with Abreu a little while ago. Um, I should probably look at his numbers in a little bit to see if I could back that up. But uh, yeah, I, I feel as if he's definitely improved defensively, um, offensively. I feel he's also just had a, a really huge contribution, uh, a really huge improvement as well. Um, yeah, I, I definitely feel as if he, he definitely should make an all-star team in the future. Um, and yeah, I, I also see an, an MVP award in his future too. But I don't know, with so many players competing for, um, for MVP, I, I think like Tim Anderson especially is making a huge case for this season. Um, I also think that Luis Robert might also be like a future MVP as well. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, re it's a good problem to have. It's a really good problem to have to, all, to see all these future MVP candidates uh, kind of line themselves up for us. Yeah, I mean, it is a good problem, right? How all that depth, I think that's always a good thing. You never have too <laughs> look, you never have too much depth. That's what I always say, Janice. Um, Absolutely. How do you think the, the White Sox measure up against the, the entire AL Central? Right? I think, look, Minnesota, I mean, they think they just had another home run last night because they're, they're still doing their, their thing. Cleveland's been up and down. They're kind of like, you know, with the Cubs, sort of this is kind of like the last uh, dance for them. Do you think that the White Sox can kind of sneak into the playoffs, especially with the playoff setup and such? But, or can they at least get into the, like, the second place or maybe even first? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I believe that that 92% uh, probability of making the playoffs is, is a really good number. I, I, I believe it will probably happen. Uh, but I still believe that Minnesota is probably going to be a thorn in our sides uh, for um, – at least the time, uh, or, or at least for the near future. Uh, Cleveland also has a really, really fantastic pitching staff, um, just incredibly solid, um, like from, from one to five. Uh, all of their starters are very, very good. Um, Minnesota, yeah, I'm always hearing about Nelson Cruz like every other day, uh, which uh, I wish that was not the case. <laughs> And I, I also believe that um, Jose Barrios uh, seems to have found his stuff again, uh, which is unfortunate for us. Um, but other than that, uh, I believe that now that this team is getting so hot again, uh, we will definitely, they will definitely be a force to be reckoned with. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I believe that uh, a playoff push is definitely going to happen. Uh, and we should have a really fun, uh, fun postseason if it does happen. A couple more minutes for Janice Scurrio, part of the Sports Illustrated Now crew of the Southside Hit Pen. She covers the White Sox here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Janice, uh, be, be, obviously, before we get your prediction for this weekend series, uh, I'll 
follow you on Instagram as well, and you're there at the park every day. Uh, uh, describe to us what's the protocol for the White Sox? How many times do you get tested? What's the daily process of, of covering the baseball team that we don't have, now since we don't have any fans, at least for this season? I'm sorry, you kind of broke up there for a little bit. What is it? Okay, uh, I follow you on Instagram, uh, and and you cover the team. Uh, how many times do you get tested? What's the daily protocol? Uh, what is your daily routine in covering the team, especially with this year being without any fans in the stands? Uh, yeah, so um, it's definitely been a very uh, well-oiled machine. Uh, so how it works is that uh, we arrive to the ballpark. Uh, there's a special uh, a parking lot uh, for media. Uh, so we're all instructed to park at least a space away from one another. So even our cars are socially distanced. So that's always interesting. Uh, there are signs everywhere that say, saying that a, a mask is required for entry. Um, I get my temperature checked uh, every time I walk into the park uh, and it's done with a, uh, an iPad-like device that I just kind of put my face over and I guess it detects the heat uh, from my forehead or whatever. Um, I'm not, not sure what the exact science is there. Uh, and then I go through security. I pick up my credential. Um, my bag is sprayed with a disinfectant, um, or at least I think it's a disinfectant. I, I, I would hope it is. Uh, I don't know much about it other than that it smells nice. Um, Social distancing is very strictly enforced. Once you get into the park, um, only two people are, oh, oh there you go, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> only two people are allowed to ride in the elevator at, at a time. Um, the seating is very uh, spaced out as well. Uh, there are only up to two people allowed per section while in the days of yore, um, the days before the pandemic, uh, people were allowed to sit next to each other. Uh, people were allowed to hug each other, give each other high fives. Uh, we do not see that now in the press box. Um, we're all very nicely spaced out. Um, we're allowed, we're, or we, we are not allowed to take off our masks unless we're eating or drinking. Um, we're not required to get tested though, um, but that's probably something I feel as if I should probably do sometime soon, uh, just mainly because uh, going to the ballpark is probably the most I've been out in public in, in a long time, uh, which is a privilege in itself. Uh, but otherwise, uh, yeah, uh, the White Sox very strictly enforce rules. Um, credentials are scanned uh, at multiple checkpoints. Uh, I, I, I have felt safe the entire time. I believe it's handled very well. Now, any like sort of like what about what about like after the game? Do you guys have to like deal with like do you do it Zoom style like we're doing it? Do you guys actually go to the go to the, the press rooms? How does that work? Yeah, uh, so we are not allowed to go into the clubhouse or even be on the 100 level. I believe only uh, photographers are allowed on the 100 level now. Uh, everything is done via Zoom. Um, uh, the White Sox have been very accommodating when it comes to um, arranging a Zoom interview requests. So that's been pretty uh, helpful uh, and, and really easy too. Um, yeah, uh, typically uh, right after the game ends, a Zoom link goes out and all of the beat writers will log in and uh, interview um, Ricky or whomever was uh, integral, in, integral in the game's, uh, game's results. And that lasts for about 
like 15, 20 minutes or so. And then uh, we're allowed to stick around uh, after that. So if we need to like finish up our work or finish up writing, uh, but the park closes about an hour after that ends. So kind of like in the old days where the park would open uh, or the, the, the park would close right after post-game interviews were finished. All right, and what's your prediction for this weekend series at the Friendly Confines? Do White Sox sweep take two out of three, or do they have a setback? What's your prediction? Oh, man, I, from just looking at some of the pitching matchups uh, for this weekend, uh, I have a feeling that they're probably going to win today. Um, I, I, I just feel as if the, the way Keuchel has been on uh, and the fact that uh, the White Sox should do very well against uh, John Lester. I think that should be okay. Um, as for the other matchups, the only game that I am having a little bit of reservations about is maybe Sunday, uh, just mainly because the White Sox has, haven't announced their starter yet. Uh, I have a feeling it's probably going to be Ronaldo Lopez, and we haven't seen him throw since uh, since he was injured. I can't remember the exact date, though. Uh, so... Uh, I'm a little concerned as to what he looks like and um, uh, his his current condition. Uh, so uh, my prediction is at least two out of three. Okay. All right. That sounds great. That, yeah. Before we let you go, Janice, uh, how, how did you become a White Sox fan? I know you were born and raised here in Chicago. How did you become a White Sox fan? And now after the 2005 World Series, what was your favorite moments as a White Sox fan? Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, I became a White Sox fan uh, hereditarily. Uh, so uh, my dad was a White Sox fan. Uh, my mom uh, also became a White Sox fan uh, via my dad as well. Uh, so it just kind of stuck after that. Uh, I do admit there were some years that I, uh, my, my uh, affections for the team uh, kind of waned. Uh, but that's OK, though. That, that's OK. I haven't been a diehard fan all of my life. Uh, which is also okay, too. Um, I probably got more into analyzing and looking at the team more deeply just within the past two years. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's okay, though. There are many different levels of fan. So uh, when it comes to 2005, um, my favorite memory from that, I, I was in college at the time. So uh, I was living at home with my parents, and just as soon as uh, game four ended, we all just kind of ran out of the house with pots and pans and just tried to make as much noise as we could. And so uh, I'm from the South Side, of course, so a lot of, there were a lot of us out there, a lot of, a lot of us with pots and pans just making a whole bunch of noise. Like you could definitely hear the, the car horns honking from the highway. Uh, it was just a really, really um, wild time. Um, and yeah, maybe one day we'll see that again. <laughs> Let's hope so. so, yeah. All right, that was Janice Scurry of Southside Hit Pan. She's the White Sox beat reporter there, part of the Sports Illustrated NAP group. Janice, I'm ready to go. I'm showing my bias here <laughs> for the White Sox <laughs> Town Rivalry weekend. Uh, uh, as I again was saying, where the hell is Wrigley at? Let's take two out of three. Let's go for the sweep, first of all. But I'm speaking as a fan, but uh, let's give it to those Northsiders and. Um, uh, let's bring you back again soon, and, and hopefully the good times can continue on the south side. Where can people catch you uh, once again on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at Scuriosa, S-C-U-R-I-I-O-S-A. Uh, my Instagram uh, is, oh wait, did I spell that right? I did. Uh, my Instagram is a Scuriosa as well, but with one less I. So S-C-U-R-I-O-S-A. Yep. Cool.
All right, Janice, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. Um, let's see if the White Sox can do well against the Cubs and Wrigley Field this weekend. You keep up the great work. Let's bring, let's, let's bring you back down the road. Hopefully we'll talk about a playoff team this year on the South Side for the first time since 2008. I'm looking forward to it, Sydney, and thank you, Lakina. Thanks, Janice. All right, Janice, take care. All right, you too, guys. Thank you so much. It was great Thanks, talking stay, to you. You too. Stay safe. All right. You too. All right. And there was Janice Gurriel once again of Southside Hit Pen, part of the Sports Illustrated Now crew here on Second City Sports. Lakina, I'll ask you for your prediction for this weekend series on the North Side. Uh, I'm uh, looking at the pitching matchups. I feel real good as a Sox fan. They, have to, I, I, they can do no worse on paper. At least take two out of three since they've been on a hot streak here for these uh, last five games, 20 of the last five in a row. Yeah, it'll be interesting, though. Like I said, I mean, you know, Lester's getting up there at A, so, and like Janice said, they, you know, the Whites actually have done well against him in particular, so that, that'll probably be a tough matchup for the Cubs. I mean, Sunday's, like, like she said, Sunday is probably like the one matchup that probably gives the edge to the Cubs with because I just think that, you know, Lopez has sort of been up and down, so we'll see. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, you know, it'll, mm, I'll say White Sox two out of three, I think. Uh, as a fan, I want to sweep, as you well know, but realistically, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the White Sox will take at least two out of three. They've been on the tear lately. The Cubs, uh, fatigue, I'm sure, has to set in because they played five five games in three days with the St. Louis Cardinals making up all those games that uh, St. Louis missed against the Cubs a couple of weeks ago because of the Cardinals' troubles with COVID-19. So uh, the Cubs have to be a fatigue a little bit. Yes, they still in their own home ballpark, but I think the White Sox are – they're ready to go. It's a perfect time to catch the Cubs uh, napping, as they say. So I, I, I'm feeling pretty good about this weekend series. The only thing about it is that – that you don't, we won't have any fans in the stands this year. I, this is the first time in years that both teams are above 500 and they are both competitive at the same time. When's the last time uh, you could say that they hadn't took for the two uh, Cup Sox series where both teams are well above 500 and both teams are coming into the season with uh, well above the expectations? Uh, yeah, Baseball City USA, we're being called here. Um, and it looks like it's going to be Gio. Yeah. It's going to be Gio Gonzalez, I think, for the Sox. Darvish and Gonzalez for that one, that Sunday matchup. He must have just must just been announced already earlier. So, yeah. So, like okay. I said, this should be it should be uh, interesting. Like I said, I mean, you know, you're not you're not seeing like the like the pushback and the you know the trash talking between both Cubs and Sox fans. Maybe that's a good thing. But uh, I'm sure they'll be doing it online and stuff on <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. So I'm, I'm sure, look, there won't be any like face-to-face -face sort of trash talk, but I think the trash talk will be there through social media. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, social media will be blown up this weekend. So you're correct on that. Yeah, um, real, real quick, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., I know that's a sore spot for you, uh, Sid, but uh, you know, he's leading the, he's leading the league in, in RBIs and home runs and it, actually, the the Padres actually just hit another grand slam. They say Eric Hosmer. I think they're like the first team to have a grand slam in four straight games. So slam Diego, as their their radio their TV guy uh, called them. Um, do you think that he's do you think that he's has a chance to win MVP? And if so, should there be an asterisk there? Because you know they're going to be folks that are going to be saying that. 
as I said on our last podcast, uh, uh, Tatis and Mookie Betts should be number one and number two for NL MVP. I don't see well, maybe Charlie Blackman of Colorado and maybe uh, Nolan Arenado, his teammates there as well, as your top core candidates for NL MVP. If San Diego can somehow sneak into the playoffs, I think Tatis' chances of winning MVP will increase tremendously. I know Mookie Betts is considered by me to be the best overall player in baseball next to Mike Trout. So it's going to be a battle. So Ted T should be up there for NL MVP. If, if San Diego can house get into the playoffs, his chances will increase. Will he get it over Mookie Betts? Uh, I'm not sure. We'll see how both their statistic lines end up at the end of the year. But uh, Benito Ted T's name should be in the conversation for NL MVP for sure. Absolutely. And he had nothing to apologize for. I mean, you're up 3-0 and the bases are loaded, and look, you blame the Rangers relief pitcher for pitching that that ball. Don't don't blame him, and that that night, and I hated that, <laughs> and, I, and I think that his manager basically threw him under the bus. I I did not like that, and I mean the you gonna look baseball Rangers are up. You're gonna need you know people like Tatis to make sure they tune in. So oh look at this. Oh uh, we have Rachel. Rachel's already on the <laughs> online already. Wow, she came in early. Yeah, she's an early, early bird here. Uh, but yeah, what do you think about uh, about that whole thing that started happening? Hi guys, give me one second. All right, go ahead, go ahead and set up, Rach. Go, go ahead, Sid. Uh, I just want to say about, about that three all uh, pitch incident. Yeah, you fanatical Tatis, you shouldn't have to apologize for anything. And uh, if the pitcher threw it down the middle, you shouldn't hit it. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. And uh, the thing that annoys me is that this old school rule about, oh, players should follow this, players should follow that. You should never bunt for a base hit if your team is being no hit. Forget all these old school baseball rules. It's a new day. As Ken Gurry Jr. Hall of Fame uh, said a couple years ago on that promo ad, let the kids play. Yeah, let let the kids play let exactly. The kids play. Let the kids play exactly. <laughs> All right. So while uh, Rachel, okay. So what was I say? While Rachel sets up, you know, you want to kind of like take a little break, Sid. Yeah, let's take a quick timeout, and when we come back for our second segment, Miss Rachel Kopchek, Chicago's very own host of the House of Hockey podcast, will join us here on Second City Sports to break down the all-season plans for the Chicago Blackhawks, and we'll get her thoughts about her career and the rest of the field for the NHL Stanley Cup Playoffs 2020. You're listening and watching Second City Sports, Zoom style. Zoom style, and we'll be right back. We'll reconvene in a few minutes. Stay right there, folks. Now I am. <laughs> okay, let's make sure, right? I mean, I always have to ask myself that. <laughs> oh, no, you're, oh, no we're, we're good. All right, all right, so let's kick it. All right. Welcome back to our second segment of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with co-host, creator, and other things for Second City Sports Radio Program and Podcast, Miss Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter, at Kina underscore McGee on the Instagram. And join us for our second segment to discuss Chicago Blackhawks hockey and everything else 
in between regarding the game of hockey in her career is Chicago's very own Miss Rachel Kopchak. You can find her on the House of Hockey podcast, and she has not one but two Instagram accounts. Rachel, welcome to the program. Tell us how can people follow you on the Insta. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Well, for all things hockey, you can follow me at the Hockey Lady. Uh, that's everything hockey there. I had to create two accounts, not because I think I'm special, but to separate everything because some people were like, what is all this hockey stuff? She's just yelling about the Blackhawks all the time. And so I had to make a separate account. And then uh, my work professional hosting, reporting, video production account is Lady on TV because I'm a lady on TV. So those are the accounts. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. Let, let's get started. Of course, the Chicago Blackhawks earlier this week uh, uh, dropped uh, by the Las Vegas Golden Knights in five games. Uh, but before then, the Edmonton Oilers and their qualifying round, the Blackhawks took care of business. They're winning three games to one. Rachel, of course, I'll, since you're here, I'll ask you, uh, was this playoff run anything unlike any other in terms of uh, being a Hawks fan? Because even though as an expert, I did pick the Hawks to win against Edmonton, but I said to myself, everything after that was, was a bonus. But just looking deeper into that series against Vegas, Except for game one, all those other games, including the last one, were winnable. What is your take on on the series against the Golden Knights? Oh, my gosh. I have to second what you were saying. I, I, ha I thought the Blackhawks could beat Edmonton, and we did. And, and I loved the way we rallied and played and adjusted the game against, how, against their offensive attack. And we really pulled it together. Uh, Vegas, I was so worried about, and I, you know, I had to pick the Hawks to win it because I have to support the boys and my team, but like deep down, I knew it was going to be a real challenge and I was really disappointed in game one and then really depressed game two. And it was really hard to watch the boys play the rest of those games. But I do agree the other games were winnable. We really did not have the luck of the puck on our side. Like how many times did that puck hit the post, you know? And, and, the, and it was yeah. just like heartbreaking. And I'm really glad that we won at least one game against Vegas. If we, I was starting to get like post-traumatic stress from the 2016 season when we was wasn't it 2016 mm -hmm. when we went to the first round and we got swept and i was like starting 17, 17. i was starting yeah. to like really go back to that really dark depressed place where i was at the bar in los angeles by myself watching them lose and like drink my sorrows away and i really did not want to have that happen again and so when they won at least the one game i was like okay this is giving me more renewed faith in the boys and i was really really upset about the loss but everybody on social media was reminding me that like we really gave vegas a, a tough time we did we were not easy against them and that's something to be proud of this is also we're the youngest team of like average age of the teams in the current playoffs so that speaks volumes that we did as well as we did with such a young and players who've never been in this kind of playoff situation like um 
Kubalik and Doc and you know all of that. And I think there's a lot of potential in the future. Um, I think part of the issue is coaching and not really knowing how to handle these veteran guys with these new guys. And then also, I just don't think they adjusted very well to the type of play for Vegas. And we also have no defense. And Crawford can't just get the three stars of the game every game. That doesn't win you a Stanley Cup, even though people are like, goalies win you Stanley Cups. Yeah, that's a big part of it. I disagree with that statement, though. You still have to have defense and you still have to have offense. Oh, there we go. Uh, if I have to hit, oh, sorry. I don't know. I'm muting myself. Uh, if I, I hear that puck hit that post one more time, I mean, they had to have hit like 16 or 17 times. It was just like, oh, no, like, what? Why? But uh, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, Vegas is just so good, guys, and that was going to be very hard. And look, we had Pat Boyle on last week said that it was going to be a very tough out for that Vegas team. Yeah. But as far as the coaching goes, Rachel, you just said it. Do you think that Jeremy Colleton is sort of the answer long term? No. No. No way. <laughs> I, look, no way. I mean, come on. I, I, listen. I have to say this. I love the Blackhawks. I love the boys. I love hockey. I say this from a place of honesty, not a place of, of bashing the team because I, the love is so strong. So don't get it twisted. But I think that he's just too young. And I don't think Colleton knows what to do with the boys with you when you have a Kane and a Taze and a Keith, and then you have these young guys that are just as talented, but you need to be able to bring them together and know how to work with them. And Coach Q is the guy to know how to do that because he did that when Kane and Taze were really young when they he first brought them up. And I thought, I thought Q did a much better job at adjusting the lines on the fly, even in the middle of the games and making changes day of, of like who's on what line based on who's playing together. And I don't know if Colleton is allowed to do that. I mean, look, we don't know a whole lot of what's going on. What's Bowman telling him? I think if it's not really Colleton's fault. I think if you go one step higher, I think Bowman is dictating a lot of what's happening and I I don't know that we can blame Colleton for everything. I don't think he's the future of the of the team, but we'll see what happens. I mean, as of today, we haven't heard any news about coaching changes or any of that. So we'll see what happens, you know, in the next few weeks. If it's up to you, Rachel, if you were running the team right now, Colleton is giving the boot is you say he should he should get if you were running the team, which head coach would you get? Would you get Mark Crawford, who's his right-hand man, or would you get somebody else like a peer of you led or, or somebody else with a head coaching experience? Why can't I take the job? <laughs> I'm kidding. Sure, why not? Why not? I mean, I'm kidding. No, uh, I, I would not want that job, but uh, I'm <laughs> not qualified at all. However, I think uh, Laviolette would be a good a good person to have um his second guy the assistant gosh you know I just don't know I think it needs to be a big shake-up I think it needs to be somebody who can come in that's not 
been stuck under this system and stuck under this type of play, who's not afraid to stand up to Bowman and who's going to just say like, this is my team. This is the way we're going to play. You know, how Barry Trotz operates, like Barry Trotz of the Islanders, like, and previously uh, the Capitals, like he has a system, he has a type of play, it's proven, it works, he has a cup, like, he knows what he's doing. I'm not saying we need the Barry Trotz style of, of coaching and, and hockey play at the Blackhawks, but I think they need somebody who's got enough confidence to come in and say, this is what we do with the boys. This is how we operate. This is what's in front of us. And this is how we play to win. Cause we've still got a few good years left with Kane and Taze. And these young boys are really giving me a lot of hope. I mean, Debrinket definitely is playing better. Yeah. I still don't think he's, where he should be i think he relies a lot on kane um and they do work well together but i don't know if debrinket has the confidence yet i love kirby doc's confidence and his like no fear attitude when he gets on the ice and he just does it he's making plays he's where he's supposed to be like i mean i love that fresh set of energy and i think it's really good for the team i just think some of the coaching needs to be adjusted who that person is I don't know, um, but I think somebody else has to really come in because I just don't think it's working right now. I wanted to piggyback off your point, Rachel, about uh, Kirby Dot. As Lakita mentioned a moment ago, we had Pat Boyle, uh, Hawks pre and post game host for NBC Sports Chicago on last week, and he said that we, you know, you can, if you watch Kirby Dot closely, you can tell the difference between. Uh, in March when play stopped in, in, in the playoffs because he worked with Patrick Kane's trainer. And you can tell that the yep. speed uh, on the ice, especially playing with Kane a few times toward the end of that, that Vegas series, you can really see the difference between night and day. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Doc is fire. I mean, he is just, mm -hmm. he wants it. He wants to learn. You can see that he's open to learning. He's not afraid to make a mistake. And I think Debrinket plays with a little bit of hesitation uh, sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he, he's still, I mean, he's an NHLer. So like, you can't, you know, it, he's <laughs> really good. And we're like nitpicking here, but Doc is really exciting. And I think Kubalik is really great. I don't love all the penalties he took I don't yeah. I think he still plays a little because um, where did he play before overseas so I think he's got to adjust his style of play a little bit more to match the NHL and not get those you know bad slashing penalties that we don't need to take especially in a playoff situation but I do um, think he's got a bright future how about Malcolm Subban? Do you think he could be a good backup to, to Crawford? Do you think that, or is he kind of more like the less, you know, the less athletic or, you know, version of in the Subban family? I think he's the less, less athletic version of the Subban brothers. Uh. <laughs> I don't, look, I disagree 5 million percent about letting go of Robin Leonard to Vegas. I think we should have gotten rid of Crawford. I think Leonard should have stayed. I think Leonard could have signed a nice two, three-year contract with the Blackhawks, stuck it out with this Kane and Taze and, and really, you know, done something good for the team. I think Crawford, while he played phenomenal one game, but he also played like complete garbage on game one and two and like just, and yeah, he doesn't have the defense except when Keith is on the ice, but 
that's not, I, I, I just, I just was really frustrated at that decision. And then letting Leonard go for Subban, like that is not an even match at all. <laughs> like Leonard is a starting goalie. That's that two goalie system. Subban is not a two goalie system. Obviously he didn't play a single game in the playoffs. Crawford played all the games. He's the backup. So if that's the case, like fine, he can be the backup, but that's not what we need right now because Crawford's contract is up. Right. Exactly. What, 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 what are you doing? What are we going to do? You're telling me Subban is going to be the starting goalie for the Blackhawks. I don't think so. I would not be surprised if, they sign Crawford to another like two year contract because they're like, Crawford is our boy. Crawford is the guy for us. And they backed him and I'm glad they did. Right. Like, and I'm grateful for everything Crawford has done for the Blackhawks. Don't, don't misunderstand that. I think he really was phenomenal. I'm grateful for having him. I'm glad he was our goalie when we won the cups. Like I'm very happy about that. But that was then, and this is now. And he should retire as a Blackhawk for sure. But they do that magic thing where you sign a contract for one effing day and you can retire as a Blackhawk. So why we have to go through all this rigmarole and keep him around, I don't really understand. And if their goal, as Bowman has said, was to you know, try to win and get another Stanley Cup, well, that does not reflect the choices that you made by letting Letter go. Unless they're going to have some like magical off-season trade plan that we don't know about because that's obviously something that could happen. I'll believe it when I see it. I'll spoke in Chicago sports fan, Rachel Kopchak, host of the House of Hockey <laughs> podcast, joining us here on Second City Sports Zoom style, along with Lakeem McGee. I'm Sydney Brown. Let's, let's focus in on another free agent, uh, Rachel, and that's Dylan Strong. He's a restricted free agent. Do you think the Hawks will have enough money, uh, assuming that the Capitals will probably be flat because of the pandemic situation we're in right now? Dylan Strong, Kind of hit and miss in his first playoff appearance. You know, as you mentioned uh, about the post chances in the biggest series, he could have ended it in game two, and he, he missed it. So uh, Dylan Strong has been, he, uh, in the beginning, he's been a nice addition to this team, but I don't know if I'm going to, quote, unquote, break the bank for him. That's just me. But what is your outlook on Dylan Strong? Do you think he's back with the Blackhawks next year? <sighs> I would like to see him back. I think – depending on what he does off season to really work on his game a little bit more. I think he does have the potential. I don't think it's worth offering him a lot more money to stay. I think a fair contract would be fine. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he's the future. I would rather see more money go to um, like Kubalik. And what is Saad doing? What is that? What is what did Saad do in the playoffs? I mean, that's you know, I it's it's hard to to watch a lot of the situations we're locked in with with the money and uh, you know Seabrook and is Seabrook really going to return with all of his his surgeries that he's had and I'm really glad he's healthy, you know, but that's a lot of money that's locked up in in his contract as well. Strom, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be sad to see him go. Uh, I wouldn't be super mad, but I would like to see him stay. I don't know how much he's worth, though. Hmm. We, we need a goalie. We need defenders. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, let's work on that. Let's work on getting Keith some help and getting somebody that Keith can 
um, train and teach and show the game and, and get some defenders in there to help with whoever ends up being in goal this coming season. Do you think that having this nice little mix of, you got the veteran players, of course, like Kaner and Taines, and then you got guys like the Brinkin, you know, do you really, do you, yeah, I think you said it earlier, Rachel, that do you think that maybe we can try to get it, get a couple of years, more years out of Kane and Taines to try to maybe perhaps maybe advance to another Stanley Cup final? I mean, I think we can. I think the proof is in the playoffs with what we did against Edmonton and even the challenges we gave to Vegas. Like Vegas is the number one team in the division, so uh, the conference. So, um, I mean, we gave them a real run for their money and we could have won that series if the puck had not, you know, made that ding sound so much. And I don't think you can... Back to what you were saying about Strom missing that goal. You know, I mean, Kane missed a wide open shot too that hit the post. So, I mean, sometimes that happens, but I don't think you can blame any of them for that. And so I think there is a potential to be there. And that's what I was saying all season long was that it was so frustrating to watch because they have the talent and you get those glimpses of their magic together when they're all on the same page and you can see what they can really do. Um, and I think they were really close. I, it, I think it, all of that, though, will change depending on the off-season moves that they make. Rachel Kopchak of the House of Hockey podcast is with us here on Second City Sports. Uh, Rachel, we'll try to calm you down a little bit about the Blackhawks and let's get into the <laughs> Uh, other teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, as of this recording, Vancouver's up 3-2 over defending Stanley Cup champion, uh, St. Louis Blues. Of course, Dallas dismisses Calgary. Of course, my shockers, the Washington Cam Capitals are the Capitals. So now they're outstanding five games by the Islanders. Uh, what other series have impressed you so far? I was talking about uh, the Islanders before we started yeah. and with Lakina, and it I love the Islanders. They have a little special place in my heart. I spent some time on Long Island and I went to interview the fans there and they just welcomed me with such open arms. And I really love that sort of underdog kind of mentality and the underdog kind of team. And man, they look just so amazing. And also I have a crush on Barzal. So like... <laughs> I, like he he's my like I don't blame you I don't blame you though I don't blame you <laughs> right like he's my younger version of Patrick Sharp so like Patrick Sharp and Matt Barzal like those are my like you know if I had a hockey crush but I digress so um I really like and I really do like Barry Trotz and I and I like his style of play and I like his calm demeanor and and what he can do with the team I think it's really impressive I was not at all surprised that the Islanders played as well as they did, but I did not expect the series to go this way. And um, I think Ovi really jinxed them by shaving his beard into that weird goatee. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, incidentally, him and uh, uh, Barry Trotz actually shared a really nice moan after after that game. So that was really nice to see. But go go ahead, Rachel. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I uh, I... I love that. I love that series. And every Penguins fan is like, yeah, go Islanders. <laughs> took out the Capitals, you know. Um, let's see. I'm actually, I was a little surprised that Boston was able to pull their stuff together and, and take on the Canes the way they did. Um, 
because of the way they were playing in the round robin, I, I was a little concerned about Boston. Plus, with Tuca leaving and then with Pasta being in and out, it was like, oh, my God, how, you know, can they, can they do this? So that I was actually really surprised to see Boston pull it together and, and get through that series. Um, the Avalanche. Holy smokes, did they smoke the yotes. I mean, that was just like beating a dead horse. I mean, that was really painful to watch. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and I really thought the yotes had it in them to do really well. And I just think that the abs finally got their stuff together and were able to figure out how to actually play well. Because all if you look at their regular season play, and I watched quite a few avalanche games during the regular season, it was really hard to watch they did not look like a stanley cup playoff team and i was like there's no way they're gonna make it and they <laughs> i can't believe the way they played so those are some of the series that have surprised me i mean the canucks blues series is also really interesting and i was really torn on who to pick in that series like to take the win and at first i said the canucks and then i was like oh I got to go with the blues because they won and they've still got like most of their core team from last year. But now, I mean, I don't know. It's anybody's game to, to lose. I've been looking forward to that. That Philly Canadian series, Flyers Canadians. I mean, clearly yeah, Philly, too. yeah, Philly can, uh, can win it tonight. Um, the, just, you know, just like, it's sort of like a tale of two different like games or different games. Yeah. Cause I think, the Canadians beat the Phillies, beat the Flyers at like seven or five nothing or something. And then like, it's been really, you know, not really all, all Flyers, but they've been, you know, they've been playing well. I think like they lost to the Canadians, I think like five to three, their last game. So do you think, I guess I told Sid that that could go seven. Do you think that one could go seven? Uh, it could, it could. I, again, this goes to the whole goalies are is a goalie gonna bring you a stanley cup right like you've got price in goal for the canadians and uh kata hot right in yep. in philly and mm -hmm. but the canadians like overall i don't know they could they could beat the flyers and move on to the next round but beyond that i don't think the canadians would go any further i mean it's really just I, I, I can't make any I, I can't make any solid like predictions on what I think is going to happen. It's a pretty well matched sort of series, just oh, yeah. like just like the Blues and Canucks one, where like it could really it can really go either way. I don't think right. I don't I don't really think it's any solid uh, decision or a prediction I can make. I'm going to break protocol here a little bit, Rachel, and I'll ask you, uh, going back to the Western Conference, uh, of course, many people have said, even uh, before the shutdown, that the Vegas Golden Knights were uh, the team to be even this open Western Conference. Do you see a team like Colorado or even Dallas challenging Vegas to, to represent the Western Conference in this year's Stanley Cup final? Dallas, no. Um, maybe the Avs. Maybe the Avs. The Avs have... A lot of young legs. Um, they could definitely put Vegas in a position where they were going to have to work hard. And I would like to see that. We don't want to see a blowout in the playoffs. Like we no. want to see this. I want to see these like three to two series, you know, or, and like tied mm -hmm. series and up one, just one game off. Like those are so much more exciting 
to watch and also way less stressful to watch than like the Blackhawks night series where you're just like, I'm going to, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna have to eat all the ice cream and donuts and drown my sorrows away at how hard this is to watch. But, uh, I don't know. I don't think, uh, let's say the Canucks take the series. I don't, I don't think they can take Vegas. How about the East? Do you think the East is a little more wide open, you think? Especially now that the, the Capitals have been eliminated? Yeah. Yeah. I think the, I think that's going to be more unpredictable than the West. Because all of those teams are so unpredictable, except for the Islanders. I think the Islanders have been the most right. consistent as far as like style of play goes. But I think every everyone else, it's kind of a wild, it's going to be a wild card. And I just don't think Tampa's got it in them. I don't know. Everyone's like, Tampa's the best. They're predicted to win. I just, I don't, I don't believe it. I, I'll believe that one when I see it as well. Of course, Rachel, I follow you on Instagram. Uh, of course, before the shutdown, as you mentioned earlier in this interview, you traveled to many uh, hockey uh, cities, including here in Chicago. Of course, I'm sort of – I'm biased. Of course, we as Blackhawks fans are the best in the NHL, but excluding Chicago for, uh, for a moment, putting your journalistic hat on from the cities <laughs> that you traveled to early in the season, which fan base had, uh, in your opinion, had the best uh, representation of the, 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 of the best fans in the league? I I really was surprised by the Islanders. I really was. I, I think they have a really unique fan base. First of all, they get to tailgate out at Nassau Coliseum. I mean, obviously that's going to change when they get to Belmont and, you know, their current situation with the arenas. Right. But um, when they restored Nassau Coliseum, I actually, that's where I did my interviews was out at a tailgate in the middle of the winter and they were so welcoming everybody was just like what do you need do you need food are you hungry eat something who do you <laughs> want to talk to like who do you want to interview like i mean it was just it was just incredible and i i i really enjoyed that experience as far as like the fan base goes and they're a very uniquely devoted fan base they've got a unique team history with the arenas and that sort of community that lives in that area around Nassau Coliseum you know they really didn't want the arena to be moved to Brooklyn and and all of that because their whole sort of thing is like they want to be able to just get to the game like how it is in Chicago right where you can like you can just take a bus you could hop on the L you get right. a cab whatever you know easy access yeah. uh, easier accessibility to get to the to the arena that one was really fun Vegas fans really blew me away I thought they were just gonna be all show and not really know anything about hockey they are some kind of like the, Los Angeles yeah, like Los Angeles fans, except for the ones that like, <laughs> except for the Kings fans, I have learned that there is a group of Kings fans that do know their stuff and yeah, they know true. it and they they're do. very serious, but they're not as public as the ones in LA who are just like, the Kings are the best. Like the King, the true Kings fans don't spout out like that. Those are the mm -hmm. like non fans who are like, we're the best and they don't know 
who they can't tell me one name of the player on their team. So there's, that's the Kings fans, but the Knights in <laughs> Vegas, um, they, oh, trust me, I've gotten into like verbal altercations on the street <laughs> with people who were like, oh, you're, for, you're a Blackhawks fan? Um, Kings are the best. And I'm like, name me one player on your team. Uh, 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 I go, exactly. Shut up. This conversation is over. I'm not even going to engage with you because oh, wow. I could name your top line and you can't even tell me one name of a player on your team. So why don't you just go away? Um, but Vegas, the fans there really embrace that team. And I love seeing that. And I loved talk. They, they do everything Vegas style. Like the costumes, the, there's a Wolverine guy, there's a dog that's like, I mean, like every single Knights fan who went into that arena was wearing flashy gold sparkles or like they're all in jerseys. They're all in jerseys. And I went to a game in their inaugural season. Everybody is wearing a jersey and they like don't even know who these players are yet. You're thinking, but they know. And they were like, invested in it so that was fun oh let, oh look you know it's vegas i mean of course you know, they're gonna do it <laughs> vegas style come on now um i I've, I've looked through your instagram rachel at well, well you're well you're more professional at the hockey lady um this is a really cool uh sort of like real housewives style <laughs> video that you did a couple of months back i mean that, that, that for some other fellow fans that you do the podcast the hockey podcast with uh, how much fun do you guys have doing the, these podcasts? I mean, showing your personality, it's also your hockey knowledge. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Are you kidding? It's a joy. And it's a joy to be here with you guys just talking hockey. It lights me up and I get really passionate about it. And it's just so much fun for me to, to talk and learn and hear other people's perspectives on it. The Real Housewives thing. So I'm a... I'm also a Real Housewives fan. Yes, I can love hockey and the Real Housewives. <laughs> and I, uh, a good friend of mine, Elena, she had posted uh, some kind of TikTok video and was doing like a Nini Leaks uh, from Real Housewives of Atlanta sort of um, thing and like lip reading her talking. And I was like, oh, I have to put together like an opening sequence of if hockey fans were Real Housewives. And I got these girls to put it together. It was so much fun. That was just something fun I had to do for myself. And I'm glad you found it entertaining. But the podcast, House of Hockey podcast that I host was breezy. We love it. And, and her and I both look forward to it every week because it's a life, hockey lifestyle podcast. So that means we talk to all the people that are involved in the sport of hockey. And our goal really is to just learn about hockey and this community and what makes hockey fans especially so unique and I believe that to be true there's something unique about the sport and the people who are drawn to it that's different than the other professional sports and every person I've met online viewing etc I consider them friends and I think that's a really unique thing and so on the podcast Breezy and I try to interview unique people that are in the sport. Like we interviewed a girl who plays as professional as you can hockey in Scotland. 
and she's a female Scottish hockey player. I mean, what? You know, they barely even have hockey there. They, they have like two teams in Scotland that she can play against, you know? And it was really interesting to hear about that lifestyle and everything else in between. Emergency backup goalie in Nashville and hockey in the UK. We've talked to diehard fans. We've talked to people who have brands like Nomad Hockey and Pacific Rink, these, these hockey um, clothing brands that everybody loves to, to follow and to wear. And it's just really interesting because everyone has a story and it all comes back through just the connection of hockey. And we just love sharing those stories and um, hockey is sort of the conduit. Rachel, Rachel Kupchak, uh, the host of the House of Hockey podcast, is joining us here on State City Sports Zoom stuff. Before we move on, Rachel, if you guys ever decide to do a series on the NHL uh, Housewives, I told you on Instagram, I'll tell you here. I'm your BFF. There's no other choice. I know. I know. <laughs> you are my BFF. When I get cast by uh, Andy at Bravo, you're my BFF that we like do everything together with. We go have lunch and I gossip with you about all the girls and, oh. and the team. That's, that's what we'll do, okay? Oh my goodness. Oh, Could you imagine that, Lakia? Oh my gosh, I, 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 just, I can imagine that now. Like, all right, Mr. Cohen, if you're watching, I got a couple of friends here, just. Hey, I tagged him in all of those housewife posts and I didn't get anything back from him, but maybe in time he'll see it. Cause I know he's a big uh, blues fan, but anyway, oh, yeah, yeah. that's okay. It wasn't about, it wasn't about Andy. Right. <laughs> let's, have up here. Let's, have some, let's have some fun with you, Rachel. We, we were talking a little bit before the show. So I finally got my connection together. Thank goodness. Um, of course you're from Chicago. You have this out, uh, right out, spoken personality which we love here by the way yeah. so who's Rachel uh, uh, Kopchek where are you from what high school did you go to do you have any, any other sports allegiances to other teams in town who are you uh, let, let's yeah get going. <laughs> yes um I'm Rachel Ray Ray Kopchak. I grew up in the city of Chicago uh born and raised in yes in the city uh lived in uh Lincoln Park north north side Wrigleyville ish uh, went to high school out in the burbs, which was weird as a city kid. All those suburban kids were like, you take the public bus? Oh my Your mom doesn't drive you to school? I'm like, are you nuts? An hour and a half traffic? My mom's not driving my butt to school. Um, so, but it was great. It was great. And then I've lived all over since then, but all my sports allegiances are to Chicago teams forever and always that will never change. So um, I actually, growing up on uh, the north side, a mile from Wrigley, I was actually a White Sox fan. That's my dad's team. Yes, and, yes. He just yes. made his day, yeah. Yes. And when you're, <laughs> you know, I was born into the White Sox family and people don't understand the hardships that I had to deal with living a mile from Wrigley and all those Cubs fans for all those years telling me we're the best. This is our year. This is our year. And I was like, shut up. You guys suck. We won in 05. Nobody ever remembers. Even ESPN forgets that we won. And uh, yeah, so uh, 
it's okay. I'm I'm happy to defend the White Sox till till the death. We're playing really well anyway right now. I haven't been following as much as I want because everything is hockey right now. But I mean, I got my ESPN mm-hmm. alerts on, and the White Sox are doing really well. I'm like, what is happening there? I better like, I better <laughs> tune into this now that the Blackhawks are out. I can pay a little more attention. But uh, Bears, of course, which is another hard hard. Oh my God, it's so hard to watch the Bears. <laughs> it's it's harder to watch the bears than it is the blackhawks um and i don't follow basketball uh obviously when jordan and and growing up there i i did and i i saw him play and i was lucky to see jordan play and and be a part of chicago during that time and you know we're really spoiled we're, we're really blessed to be chicago sports fans there's just oh, there's yeah. so many great aspects of it and there's something unique about the city of Chicago with the two baseball teams and and the championships we have had across all the professional sports and that it isn't a college town and I and I think a lot of people who are from more of the college cities and small like smaller cities across the U.S. you know it's a it's a different experience growing up in the pro sports world of of a big city like Chicago where Sports there is a really big part of your life, and I love it. I loved go. I mean, I went to. I was so lucky to be born when I was because I got to go to Old Comiskey as a little kid. I don't remember it, but I can say that I went um, to Old Comiskey Park, and then I went to. Um, I also my first Blackhawks game was it probably like five years old at the old Chicago stadium before it became the United center. So, I mean, and I do still have my first t-shirt from my first Blackhawks game, that game that I bought off a vendor on the side of the street for like, you know, five bucks after, after the game, I'm like, dad, I want a Blackhawks shirt, you know, and I still have it. I mean, I even had a starter jacket pullover starter jacket with the front pouch with the Velcro and it was Blackhawks. And I could just kill my family for not keeping that. Like, because that would be just so cool. So I had to go out and buy a new one um, that was like sort of close to it. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, that was my life there. And I still, even though I live in Los Angeles, I will never be a Los Angeles team fan like that will never happen it's chicago till till the day i die oh that's what we love that's what we ever get a chance to come back home i don't come back as often obviously with the virus right now that's not happening but uh, i try to get back around once a year especially uh my work sometimes brings me there so when i do i i catch up with my best girlfriends from home and uh they still live there uh from high school and from the girl I've known, well, she just moved, but she used to still live there. But uh, I've been friends with this girl since we were two years old. We were neighbors and uh, we're still friends today. So yeah, I mean, when I do and I try to make sure it's around hockey season so I can get to a Blackhawks game or if it's not in the, if it's in the summer, I got to get to a White Sox game. Those are like my two, my two requirements when I come back to Chicago are thin crust pizza and either a Blackhawks game or a White Sox game. That's it. Those are my requirements. Nice. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, people forget that you know a lot of us here in Chicago are not really thick crust people. No. And 
if you think about it, no, I think maybe like what, a third of the people who live here or even you know, transplant like, like yourself, Rachel, we're not, we're not thin, we like thick, we got like thin crust. We're not thick crusts, you know, deep dish no. people, we're not. No, the deep dish is like a special occasion. Like you get that as like a treat every once yep. in a while. Exactly. Like when you're really in mm -hmm. the mood for it. But people don't know how good thin crushed Chicago pizza is with that cardboard cut in the squares. Oh, the cheese, the sauce, yeah. like the true Italian exactly. style pizza. Oh my God, I want pizza now, guys. Thanks. <laughs> well, it's almost <laughs> lunchtime there, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, anything else? Say What's your favorite pizza? Yeah, what's your favorite pizza, Rachel? Well, I, I'll i go anywhere for thin crust. It doesn't matter. It's got to be from a real Italian place, though. Not like, you know, I never eat Pizza Hut or Domino's. People, that's not pizza. Oh, my God. Get out of here with that mm -hmm. nonsense. Um, <laughs> and I like uh, crumbled sausage and mushroom on my pizza. That's the way. That That's all that matters. As long as there's crumbled sausage and mushroom no pineapple i i can't i can't i can't pineapple does not belong on pizza oh boy. that is not no that's not called pizza that's called something else i don't know it hasn't been i haven't invented the word for it yet but that's not pizza <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh <laughs> pineapple oh boy we're gonna we're gonna Look, there's always like a big sort of like debate about on Twitter whether or not pineapple belongs on the pizza. So <laughs> like, it does not. I will. I will stick to that to the death. I even my co-host Breezy on the House Hockey Podcast, she thinks it does. So we have ag agreed to disagree on that topic. So. <laughs> Sid? Uh, last moment or two with Rachel uh, Kopchek of the host of House of Hockey Podcast right here on Second City Sports along with uh, Kim McKee and Sydney Brown. Rachel, uh, outside of those Stanley Cups in the last decade, uh, growing up going to the Hawks games that you mentioned, uh, besides getting your, your first T-shirt, your very first game, what was your favorite moment as a, as a Hawks fan attending, uh, attending games, whether it was at the old Chicago Stadium or the United Center? Uh, you know... I think my favorite memory oh, of being a Blackhawks yeah. fan, that's so hard. Yeah, attending I the mean, games. Attending the games, I think would have to be probably when my dad bought season tickets again when um, Old Man Wirtz died right before the cane tased and all of that. So whenever i don't i can't like pinpoint a date but i would say the first game back like as a grown adult when i was in town visiting and i i was like dad i gotta go to a hawks game with you like i, I you know because growing up we didn't go because of you know my dad boycotted the team like most everybody else did because you know words wouldn't yeah. be Exactly. home games and the whole everybody in Chicago yeah. listening is like yeah yeah shut up I know the story so um <laughs> I was excited to go and and be an adult and really remember it and like having them cheer over the anthem and and then they're just like chanting Detroit sucks and we're not even playing Detroit and you know these these unique aspects of of that team in the community everybody was wearing a jersey everybody wears red everybody's got the red jersey on and like I was just so blown away and I think whatever game that was 
really is the most memorable for me. The cups are incredible, obviously, but the moment where I, I fell in love with hockey would, would have to be my favorite. Okay. Before we let you go, I'll show you my quick personal story. My very first Blackhawks game, I uh, was on a spring break in high school. This was back in 1999. I don't know what I'm telling my age. You know, 29 for this broadcast. Um, <laughs> uh, my first Blackhawks game was in April of 99. Uh, Wayne Gretzky was doing his final tour uh, in the Rangers uniform before he retired. I went up to the ticket window. The, the, the guy ahead of me, which I could care less about. So I went to the um, the ticket office actually he had to drive down there back in the day. Yep. Uh, I was I was mm -hmm. trying to get tickets uh, because the the, uh, the Blackhawks were playing Detroit. I believe it was on that Sunday because Chris Chelios, who said in public he never wanted to play for Detroit, of course he lied and he played for the Red Wings. And so I wanted to get tickets so bad so I could boot the hell out of him. Was the guy <laughs> in the ticket window said, uh, "The guy that was in front of you, uh, we just gave him the last ticket to that game." So I was so mad. But I did ask him, did you have tickets left for that Rangers game? He said, yes. I scraped all my char money. I had $40 to pay for it in the middle of uh, 300 level. I got the ticket. I got it. I enjoyed myself. JP, you might scored a, a, a hat trick in the Blackhawks one. Of yep. course, they think they must televised in Chicago. But besides that, that was my first Hawks game. So I know what you're talking about in regards to atmosphere uh, for a hockey game. Oh, yeah, that's something special. Did you throw your hat on the ice? No. <laughs> oh, he didn't? Oh. No. Oh, no. I don't wear a, I don't wear a baseball hat to hockey games. Like, I, I don't wear a baseball hat to hockey games. I wear, I wear my, my Hawks, like, whatever, baseball hat. I, I don't know what else to call it. That's what I call yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but I wear my Hawks baseball hat, like, everywhere else like to the beach outside like right. all the time but to a game i always i just rock my red hawks jersey like i don't know i don't wear a hat Same here. i have like a beanie you know like a winter beanie but i don't know i don't wear a baseball mm -hmm. hat that's just my yeah. style mm. yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah i'll say i'm not really a big cat person either um yeah. I, I've I've never I've never had had the opportunity to go to a Hawks game. But <gasps> no, no, I haven't. But I've I've watched a lot of Hawks games on TV. That's how I grew up being a fan, not just of the Hawks, but of hockey too. Um, those early '90s Blackhawks teams. I mean, like oh, those, those those teams really broke my heart. That they should have won a cup. I mean, that mm -hmm. team would have been captivating, especially with the Bulls being as good as they were around the same time. Oh I mean, yeah. I, I love, look, look, Amante, Ronick, Belfour, I mean, oh that, I mean, oh my God, like when they traded Ronick, in the, I, I, I was, yeah, I know, I know, that, 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 that still breaks my heart to say that, that those teams should have, should have won a cup. They were close though, but that Pittsburgh team with uh, Yager and yes. uh, Lemieux, they were, they, they, they were pretty much unbeatable. Yeah. yeah. That, that's sort of my Hawk story. Unfortunately, oh. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, okay. I, we got to get your butt into the United Center ASAP. Yes. Why yes. Well, I've been to, look, I've told you, I've been to a Bulls game right before everything shut no. down. Oh, I know, no. I know, I know, I know, a Hawks game, I know. I've been, I've been no. trying. I've been it trying. is not the same. Just because it's the same building, it is not the same experience. <laughs> I know, I got you. <laughs> but look, 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 I, look, I watch every, I watch every Hawks game. I've watched, you know, for many years, once they finally put the Hawks games on, at, at home on television, those home games on television now, mm -hmm. so. I watch every game, you know. Oh, watch... I'm not discounting your fan, like, devotion. <laughs> I'm just saying, 
we have to get you in the building because this is like you're yeah. gonna, your mind is going to be blown. Every, everybody, yeah, sis tells me that all the time. I, uh, we have other friends who are who have, yep. you know, been to Hawks games. They say it all the time. It's like there's nothing like it. No, and you have to sit up in the 300s because that's where the real fans are. That's what it tells you. Yeah, right. tells you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. it's a better view of the game anyway. Yeah. I don't I don't like sitting against the glass. Mm -hmm. You can't see you can only see what's happening right. right in front of you. And then you're watching the Jumbotron and it's too distracting and I can't pay attention. I gotta I gotta be up in like two or three hundreds. Plus I'm afraid that glass might break. So that, that I'm a little like kind of like a phobia for that. So like um, I don't know if I want to be that close to the glass. I'm like, okay, people, make sure you have your helmets on. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, that was Rachel Kopchak, also the House of Hockey podcast. You can download it wherever you can get your podcast. And Rachel, before we let you go, where can people follow you on social media? Just follow the Hockey Lady. That's the easiest way to find me. It's all day, every day hockey at the Hockey Lady. <laughs> Simple to the point. All right, Rachel, thank you so much. For, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'll continue the great work, and I'll say publicly, I am your future ex-husband. It ain't nothing oh, you can do about that. We love your energy. <laughs> we love your passion for hockey, and in particular, the Blackhawks. Uh, you represent Chicago very well. Yeah. Continue the great work. We'll definitely have you back on again yeah. uh, down the road. Please keep up the great work, and thank you once again for joining us. You have a great weekend. Thank you both so much. This was so much fun. I love talking to Chicago hockey fans. Yay. Yeah, that, that, that was Rachel uh, Kopchak once again on the House of Hockey podcast. Download that um, series wherever you get your podcast. And Lakina, as Jay Hood of ESPN 1000 would say, we'll pull back the curtain a little bit. If you guys knew what went on behind the scenes, you'll drive you crazy. But, you know, things happen. But, we pulled it together. Yep. Rachel was great and patient with us. I'm glad we got this interview through. So as we always say, Lakina, as Chicago, as, uh, as we say all the time, you know, things uh, things will happen, but you got to get over and push right through. And we did that today. Oh, glad it all, I'm just glad it all worked out with her and uh, yes. yes, yeah. I'm just glad it all worked out with her and Janice. I mean, you know, we had like you know little issues, yeah. but look, we got it through. You know, they were both great, and especially mm -hmm. Rachel. So we'll definitely be having both of them on down the line. Yeah. Just like a model in life, you know, you go through some things, and at the end of the day, you come out strong, you stand tall. Oh, and yeah. damn it, we did it today. <laughs> there's a light. Listen, they're always light in the tunnel. As long as there's light in the tunnel, you get to that light at that tunnel, yeah. you're, you're good. And like I said, That's it right. worked out. It worked out. So. It, it, listen, I'm just mm -hmm. glad it all worked out. Uh, real quick before we go, um, Tom Brenneman. If you guys didn't know, um, has been suspended, and also he will not be part of the Fox, the Big Fox NFL coverage, which I don't think neither one of us are surprised by, with what he said um, with the derogatory remark. But I've heard like people kind of like not necessarily defend him, but like oh, like the cancel culture and this and that. Look, I mean, we we talked about this Sid, when you know when everything else started happening with the other. Other people have said silly and stupid things, but mm -hmm. you, there's no, you shouldn't be canceled, but at the same time, you, you got to face the, the consequences. And if, look, I've been a big fan of Brenneman, but if he loses his job, I would be surprised because that's actually one of the consequences and the repercussions that he has his face. I'm not saying that he, he, his career should end, but, you know, he deserves a second chance, but it'll probably be some, somewhere else. 
Now, with that being said, I am a big fan of his, like like you, you just said, but you know, when you do things like that, there is a consequence. And I know you went to broadcasting school just like I did, and they always remind us uh, that whenever it's a hot, every mic, it's a hot mic, so be careful what you say. If you really want to say something important or something that doesn't pertain to the topic, you know, just step away. You, you, you have to play it safe. You, you have to be smart, especially in the climate that we were living in right now. So that wasn't smart for what, what he did. Should he lose his career? No. Should he pay the consequences? He's doing that right now by losing the Redskins and now with the NFL on Fox Kids. So will he appear somewhere else? I'm sure he will if he shows great remorse and if he means it coming from his heart. But he's going to be away for a while. So uh, he, you won't be hearing uh, anything from him for a while. So he's going to rehabilitate himself. He, if he wants to do it again, if a, if a, um, a local TV network or, or team or or for national network like CBS, NBC, or I doubt it, ESPN, but uh, so a national network wants to pick him up a year or two from now, like I said, he's shown great remorse. He deserves another opportunity, but for a while, uh, he's going to have to step away and reevaluate himself, reevaluate his image. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he seemed comfortable saying that word, too. I mean, there are like a, there's lots of words you could have used for what he said not the word he actually used. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And also, like, you know, that that um, that Hornets play-by-play guy uh, who said the N-word and tweet, actually tweeted out, you use that word regularly, dude? I mean, another... He should be fired immediately. There's no excuse for it. Yeah, it's, yeah because, you know, those phone manufacturers, you know, I don't care who it is, Apple, Samsung, LG, whoever makes, whoever else makes the phones, mm-hmm. they make sure that they don't put those type of words in their kind of like you know dictionary if you will so exactly. you, use, you use that word regularly it sounds like so oh my god no 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 you can't play you can't play autocorrect no you can't do that yeah because there's certain words especially for my phone you know, like you said other phones too uh where there's a word they have it typed in uh whether it's your your twitter or your text messaging they always say uh, save save again if you press yes it saves the word right into your phone so like you said, like, you know, yes, we all make mistakes when it comes to stuff like that. You really have to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's your PSA for this this week, kids. Uh, make sure you be, you be careful what you type on your uh, phone and what you say on a hot mic. Because they'll, they'll, they'll be the first to tell you yep. that always assume that your mic is on. Even if they don't, like, turn your mic off, mm-hmm. always make sure that it's on. Mm-hmm. All right, anything else on your mind before we, before we uh, get out of here? Uh, we'll get into this more next week when Jason joins us, but the NBA playoffs are on fire. Uh, Laker fans are um, panicking in the streets, but not after game two on Thursday night. We'll get more into that. Uh, it's another action-filled weekend of NBA playoff action, along with the Stanley Cup. You know our Blackhawks are in it, but I'm really looking forward to this Cubs-Sox of cross-time rivalry weekend. Even though we won't be in the fans in the stands, these games should be fun and compelling compelling because both teams are well over 500 and this is the first time in a long time that uh, this series actually means something yeah like i said baseball city usa i think both teams could very well make the playoffs and mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. i mean the cubs were off yesterday so i think they were able to kind of rest up a little bit so we'll see how they respond um yeah i mean look i mean this is like I said, like you said we'll we'll get into it more when we talk with jason on monday but it's gonna be very interesting though to see, like, do the Cubs 
I don't think neither one of them sweep, but I th- whoever the White Sox or the Cubs, they win the series. I don't think it's going to be a sweep, though, because I think the, the pitching matches that they favor, they each have the, you know, both teams in, in some form. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to sweep, but I think for neither, I think for neither case, the White Sox probably needs a, ser- needs a series more than the Cubs do, I think. Yeah, especially if you the White Sox, as we mentioned with our interview with Janice Scurrio from the Southside Bullpen. Uh, the Sox are technically in third place in the AL Central. Minnesota's at the top of the division. Cleveland has gotten their stuff together. So uh, they're, uh, the Sox are a game and a half back of Cleveland for that uh, second place spot. So this is more important for the White Sox to come. Even if they lose two out of three or get swept, uh, they'll still be fine. They just got to fix their bullpen issues. But the this series is more important to the Sox than the Cubs uh, this weekend. Yeah, should be should be a fun one. Um, I'm also like you said, I'm also looking forward to the NBA playoffs where everything will be once we you know once we convene on Monday. Looks like the Raptors are going to pull away from the Nets. Uh, we'll see where the Nuggets Jazz series is. I, I'm kind of interested to see like especially the, the both the LA teams because they're they're split with their series with their respective opponents right now. It'll be interesting to see, like, where they'll be. I mean, will it be, like, a 2-1, you know, up and will they take the control of the series? Especially with the Lakers, I'm a little concerned about Dave Litter injuring his index finger and his shooting hand. That's yeah. going to be a problem. And I think that might give – especially if, if Anthony Davis plays the way he's been playing, I, I think mm-hmm. this could probably help the Lakers control the series, I think. I couldn't agree with you more. And let's take a look at that Clippers Mavericks series too. The Mavericks um, steal game one, then the Clippers come back and win game two. If my memory serves correct, so that series is one one. So, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I had the Clippers in six. So it'll be important to be uh, to to me the the next two games. Even though Dallas are technically the home team, let's see if the Clippers can reestablish themselves and eliminate this young team quickly. Because if they don't. Uh, you get that young team and look at Doncic's confidence, and then make this series make those seven games. If you the Clippers, you do not want that, especially given the age of your team. Right. And I think Kawhi wants to try to end this series quick. So I I, I think Doc mm-hmm. Doc Doc said it on on one lot that look we gotta we gotta you know tame Luca and the rest of that group, and so we can take control mm-hmm. of the series and end this series quick. So. Should be very interesting in the rest of the series. Um, the Jazz and Nuggets, that'll be an interesting one. They're, that's tied at one, and I'm, I, have that, I have that going six or seven, so we'll see who can take control of that series. Uh, Philly looks like, you know, even though Boston's not going to have Gordon Hayward, that's good. I think that'll be a problem with them down the line. Right now, I don't think they need it for the Sixers. I mean, they just – I think the Sixers are just basically giving up, so I'm not worried about that. Right now, very Celtics fan. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, I mean yeah, like, don't you don't you agree? Done. Don't you agree, though, Sid? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Sixers are done. Boston's a better team, so I like I said, even outside of injury to coordinator, Celtics should eliminate the Sixers quickly. All right, Milwaukee and Orlando. Um, I'm a little. Are are to Bucks fans be worried? I th- I'm seeing some Bucks fans panicking here. <laughs> If this series goes beyond five games, you should be worried. But Giannis had a great game in game two yesterday, 28 points, 20 rebounds. Milwaukee actually shot the ball well. Orlando didn't, especially from three in the first half. So then Milwaukee gets to use that game plan they did in game two. They should be fine. Like I said, I do not trust them down the road, but I do trust them to win this series. I did say Orlando wouldn't get a game if they did. So right. That, yeah. was, that was their power of glory. Yeah, that should be. Yeah, that, that, 
yeah, they give, think the Bucks should be okay here. Um, the Pacers and the Heat. What do you think about that, real quick? Like I said, I had the, the Miami in six. I don't think the Pacers are going away just yet. That's going to be an entertaining series. I do expect, uh, hopefully, Victor will be able to give the Pacers a big lift. He hasn't done so in, in this series. On the other side of the Miami Heat, they are more completing Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, their supporting cast to help out Jimmy Butler. They're more of a complete team. So, like I said, I still expect Miami to come out on top of this series. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think this, I think this is going to go six. I think I don't think you know. I don't think I will rule mm-hmm. the Pacers out just yet. Um, I think you might be right about Houston and OKC. You said that Houston would sweep them, and I think that the way it, it looks like that's what's it's going to happen. I think I think Harden's on a mission, especially with Westbrook being out for this round. But I I think the Rockets are realizing they kind of kind of a nice little balance attack. I mean, they went on that like 13-0 run to begin the fourth quarter to kind of pull away while Harden was on the bench. Mm-hmm. So. They look really good, I gotta, I gotta say. Yeah, many people pick old KC for the upset, but I, I don't think they're done in this series as far as, um, even though they're down 0-2, I think they'll win one of the next two games. But like you said, looking at Houston, look like a team on the mission right now. So we'll see what happens in these next couple of games over the weekend. Okay, should be a lot of fun. Look, should be it should be a big sports weekend. I mean, I've seen people complain about, oh, it's too much sports, it's too much, it's too much. Uh, guys, this is what we've been waiting for for all these months. Look, if we have to, <laughs> if we have to keep turning it back and forth, we can. I mean, you got the Champions League final, you got PSG against Bayern Munich. That should be a fun mm-hmm. one there for all you soccer fans. So I know I'm gonna be watching that. I'll be on CBS Sports Network. Thank goodness, because you know you have to have had the app and. <laughs> so that should be interesting there uh the WNBA I mean the, the sky's been doing pretty well in their bubble so mm-hmm. this this weekend should be a fun one in sports Sid yeah this is couch potato weekend once again because us as fans cannot attend these games but it should be entertaining so we'll, we'll, let's see what happens hopefully some good competition and down to the wire maybe some buzzer beaters too that would be nice also the hockey yeah. also hockey um like I said it'll be interesting to see how all these playoffs, these first round playoffs finish because you got a couple, you got a couple of good ones there. You got the you know, the Flyers and Canadians tonight. Also, we'll see if the Canucks can finish up against the Blues. So yeah, that that should be a fun one there. So I'm looking forward. Look, look, I still keep an eye on the uh, on the playoffs. I mean, these are the kind of finishing up their their respective first round series. So it should be fun, Sid. Yeah, it will be fun. All right, now on that note, well, we'll talk some, we'll talk NFL and everything else. We'll talk that when we convene with Jason next week. But in the meantime, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram, SAKid80. Once again, SAKid80, that's S I D K I D A 0. That's S I D K I D A 0. You can read all of my articles at wearerecoradio.com. That's W E A R E R E G A L radio.com. And we are on iHeartRadio. Download the iHeartRadio app. Type in War on Anchor. That's W A R R on Anchor. And you'll get all of our other programming as well as this program, Second City Sports. So we're, we are, Aurora Anchor is available on all podcast platforms in case you forget. But download the iHeartRadio app, as I said once again. Type in War on Anchor, you'll get all of our uh, additional programming, including this program, uh, on that platform. 
And also we're on YouTube too, so you can see our, our lovely faces as well. So yes. make sure you guys subscribe. Uh, we also want to thank Rachel. How do you say her last name? I want to make sure I get her last name right. Copchick. Copchick. Okay, I want to make, make sure. And also Janice Circurio. Mm -hmm. is that, oh, well, oh, wait, perfect. I got her name right too. Uh, yes. Yeah, you can check them out on their respective social media sites. Thank you. I've been practicing those names for the last three days. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll have this we'll have this episode up hopefully tomorrow and before all these games start. And uh we'll see you guys on Monday with Jason. So for Sid, I'm the key in this business XA Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. See you next time. Holla. All right, wash your hands and keep your distance. <laughs>